0: Portions of the Orders Now podcast are brought to you by proamsports.ca. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for any brand in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. It's 106 in Edmonton Hour number 2. Oilers Now brought to you by our title sponsor Digitex. Chorus uses Digitex for their copiers and printers. Their service is outstanding. We will tell you that Al May comes up in 29 Seconds time. Some guests on our show received gift certificates from Japanese Village, three locations downtown, south side, and north side. We are going to head off to our River Cree Resort and Casino hotline, 780 4960063. The River Cree has Bill Angville, March 24th, and Larry the Cable Guy. Get her done on April the 14th. Uh, he is a former Edmonton Oiler, a NHL enforcer. He, he did the tough job, no question about it. Longtime analyst on the Washington Capitals broadcast, local product out of the thriving, uh, I believe he actually was born in Barhead, but Al May joins us here in Oilers now.
1: Al, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, Bob.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for doing the show. Um, It's funny, eh, when the Oilers, because you're an old school guy, and, uh, you know, over a span of about Nine months, Peter Shirelli acquired Zach Cassian in a deal for Ben Scrivens, who who obviously is no longer in the NHL. He got Patrick Maroon for Martin Gurnett in a fourth-round pick. Gurnett was not picked up subsequently by Anaheim. They didn't uh, pick up his option. And then he, uh, he made a, a difficult trade, Taylor Hall, for uh, Adam Larson. And then uh, Peter signed Milan, Lucic. And I know for a fact that there were guys out there that, you know, after watching the Oilers get pushed around for years, were very happy with this. But then the league moved in a different direction, and what a difference a year makes for the Oilers. I mean, a year ago, Al, they, they, they go from 27th to 8th defensively, 25th to 8th offensively, and finish 8th overall in the league. Now they're in a different spot. I don't know if you're aware today, but on the front page of the Edmonton Sun, is a picture of Taylor Hall, Hall for the heart. Uh, so, and he's having a hell of a year. I mean, he's he's been unbelievable for New Jersey. And I never, you know, what I I, I always hey, I always thought he was a pretty good player. But uh, it does show you how the games changed a bit too. When you see that New Jersey team flying at you, shift after shift after shift, and and how it's, the league's really gone to speed, and those bigger, heavier teams are having to adjust on the fly.
1: Yeah, you know what, and one of the things with Taylor Hall, I've always loved the kid, and I I loved watching him play with the Oilers, but he and all the other players there during his tenure had a lot of bad habits, and, you know, I'm not sure if they had so many different coaches, and the, the style they play was maddening, but you could see that Hall was an incredible talent, and he was very exciting to watch, but you look at, you know, the way the league is going, and... You know, speed kills right now. You've got to communicate with your players at all times. And he's been in very well for New Jersey Devils. It's not just him. There's all those young rookies There, are he sure, Brett. They're just tearing it up. And they play a fast brand of hockey. It's a completely different style from last year at this time of the year in the National Hockey League to today. Teams are playing different. If you're not fast, if you're not fast on defense, if your forward units can't carry the pill and get down the ice, you're in trouble. And the New Jersey Devils are very exciting to watch. And Evan Oilers, you know, you got Connor McDavid, you got Leon Draisaitl, and you got the rest of them. And those two guys can skate, they can get down the ice, but the game has changed so much with the enforcement of the rules. It's really caught so many teams by surprise. And, and you know, at times it's hard to watch because it seems like there's a lot of no-hit hockey games. And I still like my physical hockey. I love my rock and sock and playoffs. And I, I, last year, I... My favorite player in the playoffs had to be Zach Cash, flying around the ice, throwing these monster hits. But the game is changing so much right now, it's hard to know which direction teams should go in. But I'd err on the side of the fastest skaters possible that can think and carry the puck at full speed.
0: Well, I mean, speed is always killed in every sport. I I, I think that's fair, but uh, I do think the game is managed completely different come playoff time than it is in the regular season. And I'm going to go back. I mean, you, you spent some time, a lot of time in Dallas over the years. I remember watching those grumpy old men and Dallas' teams in the late 90s, early 2000s, and they'd have, like, Hatcher and, and Mavtuchuk on defense, and Hatcher would be getting away with her. Hey, don't get me wrong. They had Sergei Zubov, who's one of the most underrated defensemen in NHL history. You know, they had Sador and Zubov that could really move it. But they had Hatcher and Mavtichuk and Ludwig, and those guys would just beat the snot out of you for fun. And it's completely different today.
1: Well, the game has always changed. You know, Gordie Howe was the guy that, you know, he came up with this phrase, and everyone always talks about Wayne Gretzky's famous quote, but the one that I remember from Gordie Howe, and this was as a guy in his 40s, close to 50, and it was, uh, you know, once you think you know the game, everything about the game, the game has passed you by. And the game continues to evolve and change at all times. And, you know, I, I I don't like it so much, but, you know, you get general managers in there, you get coaches whining about, you know, enforcement of rules. And then the suits in the front office of the league start to change the rules, and they don't think about the repercussions. I know coming out of the lockout, you look at all the obstruction penalties, and I believe they over-rotated with the enforcement of the rules back then. And I think that's why injuries went up, because there were defenseless defenseless players you couldn't hook and hold to, to block someone from hitting your defense partner. Defensemen were getting pancaked left and right. Guys were keeping... They're sick down and not protecting themselves. And we've had an, a rise in injuries from that. Now the game is so fast. These players train year-round. And, you know, when it comes to physical hockey, guys just aren't expecting to get pancake-like to do so. You know, there's always the danger of changing rules. Uh, my favorite brand of hockey, and this makes me a dinosaur, was that stuff in the late 80s and early 90s. I was fortunate enough to play in some of it, but I absolutely loved watching it. And uh, I, I look, it was all about the players back then. Now it's about having four and five coaches, you got one and two goaltending coaches, you got video coaches, and, and they're just, it's almost like they're micromanaging everything that's going on on the ice. Meanwhile, the skill level is up and the rules continue to change. So not so entertaining on a lot of nights uh, because it, it, it it's kind of like a chess game. I prefer checkers with the high skilled players, the, the Messiers and the Gretzkys and Paul Coffey type of guys rather than You know the hook and hold and all of that so it's tough to know what you really want i I love the game of hockey i love the national hockey league but this game just continues to change so much season to season now
0: yeah uh who was the fastest guy when you played
1: in the league oh god you know what there there were better off for a little bit kovalev uh buray mcgillney and notice they're all russians and you know those guys were training at a different level in a different way and then I got to play with Mike Madonna. You know, I got to play with Mark Messi, Glenn Anderson. They they were rockets at, at, at you know when they were in their twenties. But I got to play with Mike Madonna, and I could not believe how fast this guy skated. And then at the end of my career with Phil Fleury, who was incredibly fast his entire career. So you know, there they were a great blend of players over the years. But you know, and I, I think of the the nineties. The it, was, it was all about the Russian guys and the high ends that they could get up to at all times.
0: Well, it's interesting. The NHLP, I don't know if you saw the, the voting that took place, but McDavid, over. I think it was about 75% of his peers voted him the fastest guy in the league, which probably doesn't surprise many people.
1: No, I, I wouldn't think so. And I would think Taylor Hall's right up there with them. And I was really hoping to get to see those guys play together and, and, and tear the league up and you know, unfortunately that's not happening, but right now Taylor Hall and that group of guys he's skating with in New Jersey, they, they play a speed game and there's a lot of them. But to me, McDavid is still simply the most exciting player in the game because what he can do with the puck at those high speeds, uh, is utterly amazing. And most players, when they get going that fast, their brain shuts off and they, they're there to skate, but they can't do things with the puck. McDavid's problem is he's usually out there all ahead of everyone all by himself once he gets going. So if I were on that line, I'd be lugging and chugging to get down the ice to get to the front of the net and grab a few rebounds and pot a few that way because uh he, he's just so fast it's impossible to keep up with right now
0: from nbc sports washington al may look al you work the capitals broadcast has has obi got his 40th this year yet or is he at 39
1: no he got his 40th the other day in the outdoor game in annapolis against the toronto Maple Leafs, and uh you know another great old ovechkin goal and you know he, he's another guy he's gotten speed feedback and He's done a lot of different training over the offseason. He he got rid of the heavy weights and went to agility training. He's still working on the track on a regular basis and, and he's moving like he hasn't in a long time and it's been exciting to watch. Is he the greatest goal
0: scorer of all time? Like when you pro because you know Wayne Gretzky's got eight hundred ninety-two goals, right? And way and, and the thing is, a lot of people didn't you know get a chance to see a lot of Wayne early in his career. But if you go on YouTube And this perception, first of all, that he wasn't fast is complete bunk. He was really quick. Uh, He could shoot. He was incredibly intelligent. That said, you know, he also played in a high-scoring era. Alexander Ovechkin hasn't necessarily played in the high-scoring era, uh, and he's likely going to finish no lower than third all-time in career goals scored. I mean, it's pretty spectacular what he's done.
1: Well, I, there's no way I could ever say he's a better goal scorer than Wayne Gretzky. After growing up with Gretz and, and watching him and, and getting a play against him, uh, he was fantastic. And I always go back, you know, a lot of people say, well, these new guys are bigger, faster, and stronger. Well, if the training methods had been there, those great Russian guys, you know, you saw how good they were. But if the training methods were there, and, and Gretzky was a phenomenal athlete. Remember, he was the guy that that uh, was an excellent lacrosse player, a a, a very, very good baseball player. Basically, everything he did, he was great at. Now, there wasn't an emphasis on all the explosive training, but I guarantee a kid like that that loved the game so much, he would have done whatever it takes. Bobby Orr would be in that same category, and they would still be great in this era. Paul, Paul Coffey, the same thing. So it's kind of tough to compare apples to oranges here. Yep. But I would say all-time, it's got to be Wayne Gretzky. But in this era, this generation of hockey, since the 2000s, since the start of the trap era, and what we have now uh, in the technical part of hockey, Alexander Ovechkin is absolutely, without a doubt, the best goal scorer there is at this point in time. Not all-time, but I, I would say there's, I'm not throwing shade at, at either person there. But Obie's playing a game that's a lot more technical, you know. and I can only imagine if you took him, it'd be like putting Robocop back into the National Hockey League during Gretzky's career. No one would have been able to stop him. But then again, look at Eric Lindros. What would he have done without the trap era? If he was back playing on those Edmonton Oilers teams, right. he could have scored 200 goals because he, he was impossible. And now you look at this, this era of hockey, when you can't hook, you can't hold, you can't ride on a guy's back, uh, no one would have been able to stop Eric Lindros. So... You know, it's just the right player at the right time. He's a monster. He's he's still fast. He's explosive. He's got an amazing shot. He's got the technology of these $300 hockey sticks. And uh, he, he knows how to beat goaltenders, and he's beaten every single guy in the league. And uh, I'm in awe, but I'm never shocked at what he does.
0: From NBC Sports, Washington, Al May, Bob Stoffer with you in orders now. One thing Wayne had that I don't necessarily know yet, if Connors got, in terms of a comparable there, Wayne had a killer instinct. He wanted to bury you. He didn't want to stop scoring. Like, there was nothing wrong when the Oilers were up 6 or 7-2 with making it 8 or 9-2. That was just a byproduct. He, he had a little bit of screw you, and, and maybe part of it was because people did doubt him. Conversely, with McDavid... His peers have not doubted him since he's come into league, Al. They sit there and they look at him and go, holy crap, is that guy... I mean, I get that all the time. And I think there was a sense of disbelief with Wayne Gretzky, whereas there has been a... Initially, when he first came into the league, whereas with, with Connor McDavid, there's nothing but, you know, uh, respect. And they admire how special and a unique of a talent he is. And I don't think he's got that same screw-you attitude.
1: Well, you, you look at it, it he, he sure passes the puck a lot when he's in, in, in scoring range. Yep. And, you know, one of the things that I was a kid growing up in Edmonton, I was my dad, we always went to games in the WHA, but the day they got Gretzky, my dad went out and bought 13 season tickets for the extended family. You know, a bunch of my uncles uh, from around Alberta would drive three and four hours into every single Oiler game. and We would never leave an Oiler game, no matter how big they were losing or how big they were uh, winning a game because there was Dretzky, and we wanted to see what he could do and would do, and uh, I find myself the same way. I can tune in to an Oilers broadcast. I want to see McDavid light it up, and I want to see him get that killer attitude and, and, and be maybe a shoot-first guy, and we've got a guy here in Washington that's a, 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 you know, a, a shot as his second choice at all times at Genie Kuznetsov, who I think is on par with McDavid in the skill department, and I would like to see that guy be a lot more selfish and greedy when it comes to shooting the puck, and you know, we're all in awe. The guys of my generation, that the fifteen over guys, now that we all have our smartphones, our iPhones, and our Androids, we're shooting video of McDavid's goals and his highlights. You know, as they happen every night, and we're whether it's a Twitter or from an NHL.com highlight, we're all in shock, and we just keep forwarding all these plays that McDavid does. So. You know, he's without a doubt uh, just a -a one-of-a-kind type of guy, and I hope that he can get some help so he can take it to the next level. I hope he finds his Yari Curry like Wayne Gretzky did and, you know, whoever they had, all all those other left wingers that they had. But it was great to see that duo, and I hope McDavid the Oilers can find him a guy to work with.
0: I think he's up about half a shot more per game over the last 20 games. And Al, he's got 15 goals in his last 17 games and 26 points during that stretch. So he's going pretty good. Al May joining us. Al, who's the best team in the Eastern Conference in your opinion?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I, You know, it's hard for me to say the Boston Bruins because the Caps have beat them, I believe, 14 straight times. And uh, it, it seems Braden holtby has been a net, I believe, for every single one of those. And uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, when they're healthy and they've got everyone in the lineup, they are dominant. They get a five-man push going. And both of their defensemen join the play. And they're doing something that I've never seen before. And, you know, you have the center lane net drive. It's usually the centerman driving to the crease and getting to the net and creating like the Detroit Red Wings used to do. But I'm seeing Victor Hedman inside the crease all the time. Or one of their defensemen. It's usually one of their, their skating guys, and the other guy backs them up. But they get this press going, and they keep the puck in your zone a very long time. But what what I find suspect about the the Lightning is in their own zone, you can get the puck around uh, and move it around a lot and get to the front of the net on them. But they've got that goaltender, Vesilevsky, who's been liked out this year. But I I would have to say the Tampa Bay Lightning, from the start to right now, uh, they've had injuries, but they they find ways to choke out those wins. Uh, They're very exciting to watch. They're very unique but I would say it would be very disrespectful for me to not say that they're the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. Al, we
0: always like to end it with a little bit of storytelling. The Oilers had a game against San Jose a week ago uh, Tuesday, um, and Vander Kane got a shot in at Matt Benning. Matt Benning went back at him uh, before the end of the second period, got involved with uh, Timo Meyer as well. Kane was doing a little bit of chirping. In the first, th- first shift that Kane had in the third period, uh, Darnell Nurse skated over, Got Evander's attention, uh, communicated something, and Evander Kane went strangely quiet the rest of the game. Didn't do a thing. Uh, Backed off on the forecheck. Didn't take another run at anybody during the course of the hockey game. When you played, was there a couple players that could get you quiet or make you think twice about...
1: You know what? I I swear to God, my dad first taught me never to back down, and then when I played for Mike Milbury, it was always attack your fears. So I would say no, but I was always very, very, very wary of where Dave Brown was. If he was standing up on the bench, if he was standing up in the penalty box, if he was in the press box, I had to know where he was at. So you always had to be aware. But, uh, you know, there were players that you always had to pay attention to and respect. But I always found that, you know, if you you ever back down to those guys to yourself, it would become an epidemic within you. And so it was always fight your fears and just, you know, some, some you win, some you lose, but you always got to get up and go at it. So you know, until the end of my career, I was pretty proud that it, you know I, w- I wasn't backing down. But you know, I was certainly fearful of Dave Brown. I never told anyone that while I was playing, but uh, on game days, yeah, I thought about him a lot.
0: Well, he was pretty good with the left hand. What about uh, you know? Was there a couple players? Did you play against Perry Anderson? No, not that I can remember no. okay because he was with New Jersey and he used to run around all the time in the 80s and hit guys late but were there uh, was there anybody that really used to cheese you
1: off back in the day well Brian Marshall was the guy that you all and Darius Kasparaitis, but you know it was the same thing and, and you know, our coaches I, I played for a really tough coach in junior hockey named Jerry James who played in the NFL, or in the NHL and the CFL yep and, uh, and he was always about making sure you're protecting yourself. And if they had a big hitter on the other team, you had to find a way to neutralize him. And Brian Marchant was the guy that threw those low, low and late hits. And, you know, I, I never hurt my knees. And I always think it's because I had two hands on my stick and uh, <laughs> made sure I got my stick in the way of those guys. And I kept an eye on him at all times. And not that I was – you weren't scared of him, but you just had to know where he was at because he wasn't going to change his game. And, you know, I always thought if you got hit by him, it means your head wasn't in the game. You weren't paying attention. You weren't ready to play. And uh, but Brian Marchman sure laid a lot of guys out in, in his career. You had to know that he was a lefty if you dropped the gloves with him, because that was another thing he'd sting with the big hit. Guys would get upset, drop their gloves, and they'd go in there thinking he's a righty, and he'd just rip them apart with those left hands. So it, you know it was kind of like the cake mixer. He'd just get that thing going, and guys were in trouble. But you know Darius Casper is him and. I know before that I was fortunate enough uh, only to watch Denny Poppin play, but he was another guy. If you were sleeping, he'd hurt you, and I saw him hurt plenty of Edmund Oilers and really a lot of players around the National Hockey League during the course of his career.
0: He sent Guy LaFleur airborne one time about 10 feet on, in the air in a perfect uh, hip check, and LaFleur face planted. It was the only time I ever saw LaFleur really get blown up in his career. Al, great stuff. We'll hook up in a couple of weeks, okay? Yeah, thanks, man. Take care. You bet. That is L. May, longtime Washington Capitals broadcast, 125. And Edmonton, Brennan, I've done it to you again. We'll take a quick two minute break, come back. their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at ProAmSports.ca. That's ProAmSports.ca. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 127 in Edmonton. Let's get to Mr. Lube Trivia. Winter driving begins at Mr. Lube, Canada's leader in car maintenance. Tomorrow, the New York Islanders are in town. Coming up, we're going to hear from Arthur Staple, now with The Athletic, longtime uh, uh, Islanders beat writer for Newsday. Matthew Barzell was a star with the Seattle Thunderbirds, along with Ethan Bear. Can you name the Edmonton product currently playing, he's a 19-year-old for Seattle, He's having a th- himself a pretty good year. I think he's up to thirty goals this season, and uh, his uh, his father played at Nate, and his uncle uh, played the National Hockey League. So it's a a prominent Edmonton hockey family, second generation player. Uh, current member of the Seattle Thunderbirds, uh, 30-goal scorer this season. He's a 19-year-old in the WHL. That is our trivia question. It's a tough one. You're going to have to look her up a bit. Uh, We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Come back with Arthur Staple.